Capitalize for Kids is different from almost any other not-for-profit organization that I've come across. The innovation of delivering our intellectual capability to help problem solve and then subsequent to you know us finding solutions being able to bring dollar capital is unique uh, and ensures that we get success from the money that we're investing and from the time that we're investing and that's highly unusual most organizations you know if you're a foundation um, you bring the money in and then you just deploy it um, it's just a, it's just sending the money guys it is uh, Alex and I'm here with Quentin and Diana from uh, Capitalize for Kids um, and we're here really just to learn a little bit more about uh, them as an organization as well as the event that they have coming up uh, in about a month or so from now um, it's on June 4th I believe at the yes. Madame Athletic Center Exactly. Um, and it's gonna be really cool we got a lot of uh, CrossFit gyms from Toronto supporting this event which is really um, an awesome show of support for a great cause um, before we get into that though I'd love to hear Actually, first, maybe more about each one of yourselves. How'd you get into this uh, organization? Kind of what's a little bit about your background and that kind of stuff. Yeah, thanks, Alex. And, and we greatly appreciate the opportunity to come onto the podcast and talk about Capitalize for Kids and the engagement with the CrossFit community through Bay Street Games and, and talk about the work we do. Um, I guess I can go first, given chronologically I got here first. Um, <laughs> I was uh, employee number five. Uh, the organization actually started almost six years ago, and we benchmarked the timing off the back of actually something called the Best Ideas Investment Conference, which is where it all started for Capitalize for Kids. Two young guys, 24 years old at the time, wanted to try and give back um, to the community, and, the, and kids' mental health was important to them. And so they went to Sick Kids and asked if you know they could raise money for for Sick Kids, and they said, "Sure, we'd love love that." Um, so they chose the Kids Brain and Mental Health Research area of Sick Kids, and then they went after Bay Street and really focused on Bay Street as an area of opportunity to get the giving. Uh, they thought that there was money on Bay Street that they could pull out, and in fact, they were right. Um, and then they made it a business element, which is not just philanthropy, but come to this conference in order to, to do business. So bringing together people with money, with people who are looking for money, and, and try and engage that. And so uh, it started off with a million dollar uh, benchmark. They delivered it, year one, year two, year three. And, and so that's kind of the beginning of Capitalize for Kids. Um, we've evolved it since probably year three, where we've really pushed it into an environment of engaging agencies, kids' mental health agencies, um, to help them build capacity to deal with kids' mental health issues. Um, we all know that Bell's Let's Talk Day, as well as organizations like Jack.org, have done a great job of reducing stigma and raising awareness. But what that's really done is push more kids into the system and the families, and they've struggled to find care quickly. Um, and that's where we come in. And it's what really got me in, excited about making the change about a year ago from a very you know, long Bay Street career of almost 30 years where now I was interested in what they were doing. So I got engaged with them six years ago when they started this thing. 
I was the head of equity research over at CIBC and they came to me through one of the women who worked for me um, asking for money and support and we did. Um, and it was intriguing that two young guys were raising a million dollars. But it wasn't more intriguing because I was already giving money from our family. We were giving money to, to sick kids as it was. My wife volunteers for sick kids. So we could do that on our own. There wasn't anything special uh, other than it was two young guys who were doing a great job. Um, now though, it was an opportunity to understand kind of the business of kids' mental health from a business perspective and help those agencies build their capacity to, to deal with the kids um, who were finding wait lists 12, 13, 14 months long. And so when I heard about the opportunity, it really resonated for me. My wife and I have always supported kids' charities, both in our uh, dollar giving as well as our time. Um, and it was, you know, it wasn't a perfect time for me to make a switch, but the, the ability, the compelling ability to have, you know, do good in a material way versus simply just, as my, a good friend of mine said, well, why would you do that? Why don't you just stay where you are and just write them a big check every right. year? Um, and it really was an opportunity to, to make the transition, uh, deploy my time in a way that could be far more impactful than what I thought I could do simply by writing a check. And it's really predicated on the transition we had made from just writing a check to now really getting involved with our intellectual capital um, and then bring our dollar capital uh, in behind it if required in the work that we do today. And we can get a little deeper into that work. if. Yeah, you that later. would be awesome. But Dan? Yeah, so uh, I actually technically speaking, started here before you. Uh, <laughs> it's true. So uh, I, I sort of knew I wanted to work in philanthropy um, when I was finishing schooling, and I was in a completely different sector. I was taking financial planning, but I was sort of sparked by how easily it is to make a difference in someone's life, and that's sort of what made me want to work in the philanthropic sector. So when I moved to Toronto, the first thing that I started doing was volunteering at SickKids. So I was there for about a year and a half, and I sort of wanted to get my foot in the door wherever I could to learn off of other people, and uh, I, I brought me to the opportunity of volunteering at Capitalized for Kids before we had our consulting program, so it was year two. So. Uh, before we had established anything from that perspective and uh, the the woman that I was working with directly ended up going on maternity leave and that's sort of what cut me off from Capitalized for Kids at the time. So it was just the conference, it was a great amount of money coming in the door and a great amount of money going over to sick kids but that they didn't have the capacity to be hiring anybody on at that point. So. Um, from then, I started actually working for an organization called True Patriot Love Foundation, and their mandate is to support uh, military veterans and their families. Um, so I was there for almost three years before seeing this opportunity, and the reason I got into this was I, I love kids and I wanted to get back to working with children. And when I had this opportunity come up, it's, it's kind of a no-brainer to go back to where I wanted to work originally before they had the opportunity for me to come on to them. That's awesome. That's a yeah. great story that you guys... Uh, kind of found this place by different paths, but mm -hmm. still both passionate about it. Yeah. And it's a small organization that makes a huge difference from what I gather. Yeah, we, we like to think we're small but mighty. Um, <laughs> you know, at this, when I came on board, uh, I was employee number five. I mean, when you come from a big organization, I think I was, you know, my, 
my employee number over at CIBC was 38,238 or something. Uh, here it was five. Uh, not zero, 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 five, just five. Yeah, single um, digits. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and now we're going to be nine uh, as of uh, May 22nd when we get uh, Annalisa Putz on, uh, who's another consultant that we brought on board. And so we'll have four. Uh, four consultants who are working the effort in terms of building capacity, uh, as well as uh, Diana on the community development side, uh, Rebecca Kirby, who delivers our business development elements in terms of our investor conference, and Sarah Beeson, who uh, works uh, tirelessly to help deliver all these events, including the Bay Street Games. Um, so it's it really is a small shop. Um, we've had the ability on the consulting side to really add to our wingspan, so to speak. Um, uh, we can supercharge our efforts, uh, you know, without banned drugs. Um, so it, it really is an ability to access individual or organizations like uh, Bain, McKinsey, Boston Consulting Group, and the like um, to help uh, deliver our capacity. So they come in and work alongside us. We start the projects. Um, we identify, co-identify, co I guess, with management teams, the problems, the challenges, uh, co-develop solutions. And then to the extent that we can work in one of those partners, uh, we do. And then they do their work, then they leave, we stay there throughout the process. So. You know, as as you know, in running any business, um, you may have got to that business because you've got a tremendous, uh, you got a tremendous passion for CrossFit, mm -hmm. and you're really good at it, um, and you're a great teacher. It doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be a great business person. Mm -hmm. There's elements of skill sets that you need to develop to do that too, and do it right. well, and manage, let's say, multiple people, um, manage books, it, you know, your accounting, legal issues, um, and so. That's how we can be impactful with many of these kids' mental health agencies where their management teams are strapped, extended because of the nature of the business. Uh, it's challenging um, to have to turn away families uh, at times of their greatest need uh, when they've got a child who um, can't find their way to school because uh, the anxiety levels or depression levels are too intense or or they've been going through suicidal ideation. You you. You have to deal with those as your front and center, but frankly, it's if you can create a business environment that's highly effective and efficient, you're going to be in the best position to help those. And that's where we come in and, and we're able to uh, support them to build out the capacity without really changing the envelope that they're experiencing in terms of dollars in the door, because our governments, as, as we all know, have not been in a position to invest uh, a great deal. Um, in fact, in many cases, they're pulling back money. Uh, infrastructure, as we know, when we drive the streets of Toronto, um, you know, there's lots of potholes out there. Infrastructure isn't something that you've been investing a whole bunch into, and that's the same thing that's going on inside a lot of these agencies, where technology hasn't been something they can keep up on. Because A, they don't have the expertise, and B, they don't have the money. Um, and again, that's something we can bring to the table that helps support them. Our, our second consultant, David Udicheni, we brought um, out of Microsoft. Uh, so he's got expertise. Um, so uh, it is a small group. It's capable of doing some pretty exciting things because not only we have our own capabilities, but we're able to 
tap into consulting capabilities and that really makes this thing go round in a way that it's just not possible to do, frankly, without us. So kind of just what you were talking about, I listened to one, a couple of your podcasts actually. And so to hear you talk about when you were speaking about um, seeing donations as investments, I thought that was a really unique take and I was wondering if you could maybe elaborate a little bit on that because I've never heard anyone kind of with that um, with that take on it. And when you kind of explained it, it kind of clicked for me. I was like, I don't know why I didn't think of this before. Yeah, I think um, we. I talk about it as being charitable investing. Um, and there is there is a concept today of having social investing um, where you're, you're actually looking for a return and it's by virtue of the structure government will ultimately pay you. But in my view, and that's interesting, and I think to the extent you know, we can do more of that as a community, as a as a society. It's probably a good thing. But charitable investing really is about how do we use our own cash when we're giving it, and be smarter about um, who we're giving it to and and why we're giving it to. Many of us choose, you know, have pet projects or or certainly things that speak to us. Whether it's because our families experienced cancer or, you know, I've experienced a heart attack or prostate cancer or breast cancer or, um, or mental health um, and kids' mental health. One in five kids uh, will experience mental health challenges. So it kind of doesn't matter what the cause is um, or how much money you've got to give. Uh, I think you can be smarter about the application to ensure that the organizations that you're investing your cash with um, have, a, have the opportunity to create great outcomes. And not every organization can do that. We, we know that. Not every CrossFit organization can, can do outstanding work. Some will fail. Um, it's just the natural evolution. What happens, though, in the not-for-profit space, um, our experience, my experience, uh, let's put it, my experience is there's not a lot of barriers to just starting something something up because you lost your friend to suicide or or you lost your parents to cancer. Um, you can kind of get things going on on somewhat of a shoestring budget, get some volunteers, and make it happen. And those are great things. We have uh, over 85,000 registered charities in Canada. Um, they're not all doing great work, in my opinion, um, they all come from a great place, which is the person who started them had an idea that they wanted to somehow give back and and, and try and um, support something that went wrong. Uh, but not all of them can do great work that can be scaled and have effectiveness. Um, and that's what I implore people to look at, even when you're investing, you know, 100 bucks, 200 bucks. We all do that. I mean, we all have um, somebody calling us out and saying, hey, I've got some Girl Guy cookies, or my son or daughter is doing this run or that right. run. Can you support? The answer is yeah. There's, you throw some money at it. But when you're really digging in and saying, okay, we're going to donate X dollars this year, and this is our philanthropy, then I think it behooves you to really understand where your money's going, how it's going to be spent. And ask those questions. I mean, the worst you can do is is have some, you know, no one answer you. Well, then that's an indication. Um, and hopefully the organization does answer your questions and you, you get a great sense of how they're going to put your money to work. And that, to the extent that resonates with both your heart and your mind, now you've got 
something that that's going to work for you because you're also going to get a tax receipt. So right. why not bring it all together, right? And that's, in my view, where uh, charitable investing com comes from. There is an ROI to be had. There is a return on investment uh, to be had in this business, and we we focus on that. Um, it's something that I think everyone can focus on, no matter kind of what level of giving you're, you're uh, going to be doing. That's very interesting. I love that aspect of being, I guess that means it, it makes you more invested beyond just giving the dollars or writing the check. You also want to take, you know, do your due diligence to make sure that that money that you're sending is going to actually make a difference as opposed to just kind of vanish into thin air. Yeah. I mean, you know, if you're trying to be the best in CrossFit, you can study the events, you right. can study the moves, you can study the bar with the weights on the end of it, but you actually have to get in there and do the heavy lifting. Right. Right. And the same thing when you think about charitable giving, you could just fire the money across and hope, but hope isn't usually a strategy. Right. Right. You hope that you can lift that bar when you get to the event, but that's probably not the best strategy to get the great successful outcome. What you yep. want to do is give it a practice, um, lift some some lighter weights first, build into it, and and the same thing can go on as to how you approach your charitable structure. You can you know send smaller numbers, see how the the organization works with those dollars, see the kind of impact, see how they report on it, what kind of data they give you to prove out that the solutions that they're seeking out are working. And then you start to build up on that and take it to the, you know, that, you know, ultimate level of, yeah, now you're getting as much as, you, you know, I've got to give and, and it's hurting. And, right. and that's, we always say, you know, give till it hurts. I mean, I don't see you going right to there until you've built up much like, you know, you don't bow out in, in any competition until it's, it's hurting beyond the capacity for you to withstand the hurt anymore. So what actually intrigued me the most, I guess, why when I started digging into uh, to what you guys do and this awesome work, um, when I first heard about the Bay Street Games, I thought it was like a third-party event that was like someone's running the Bay Street Games and doing something. And then just by Googling, I was like, oh, no, like you guys are putting on the Bay Street Games. And I'm sure this exists somewhere else, but I've never seen a foundation that's been so fitness-focused. Um, and then from everyone that I've spoken to, it seems it's like a very strong kind of vein of fitness that runs through here. Um, I was wondering if you guys could talk a little bit about that. Like, is that by design? Is that, you know, just coincidence? Kind of how did that come about? Yeah, I mean, for viewers, we you can't see the board behind us, but internally we sort of have competitions from within each other, which I think is the groundwork for all of our competitiveness internally. But the... The games itself, it's we have 30 teams competing against each other. Bay Street itself is is a competitive market. We have teams from all over, accounting, asset management, brokers, legal. It's a big mix of a bunch of different people, and we're putting them up against each other to see who can claim the title of Bay Street's fittest firm. So, I mean, mental health and physical health go hand in hand, and we're talking about children's mental health, but it's just as important to talk about the physical side of things because it having kids going outside and playing, it's it helps with their cognitive development and their physical health, and those things need to be talked about side by side. So I think it was really important for us to have an event that focused on not only the physical but the mental side of it as well. Very cool. Yeah, when we started it, um, you know, we piloted it 
and the prom the premise was absolutely um, physical health can help drive better mental health outcomes and um, you know there are few organizations that have done what what we've done which is we're trying to hold this uh, hosted ourselves and and to your point I mean a lot of work's gone into it by Diana and and Sarah uh, Beeson, our events manager, to bring this off, and and we we engage we've engaged engaged the CrossFit community, and uh, you know shout out to YKV, which has been there at the start, and um, you know he's he's been a critical supporter of bringing this off the ground, and and then we've got now the the other CrossFit uh, groups in and around the downtown core here who have. Um, put their shoulder into this by offering up our team some free workout sessions um, and, and we've it's been funny Diana talked about the competitiveness of Bay Street it's it's fantastic I loved it um, in, in all the time I've been there because I'm a very competitive guy but uh, what we've seen is actually there's been a proliferation of business as an offshoot to those to those uh, CrossFit centers because now you've got the teams going oh my god like we got to get ready for this we you know we need like 12 sessions you only right. had like four <laughs> or five you know practice sessions yeah. we need a lot more just for us and so um it's been a nice um a meld of you know an interest and a capability um a, a community the crossfit community um now uh kind of coming into our Bay Street community and our and our kids' mental health community. So it's a nice mix um, for a whole bunch of reasons. And then not the least of which is there really wasn't um, an event of this type. Um, or size. Yeah. yeah mm -hmm. uh, and and it, it was an opportunity for us to create another big funding leg of our stool. I mean, our investor conference is a big, massive leg. Um, I like to think of these these very solid uh, <laughs> legs on this table, um, and we want to make the Bay Street Games just as big, uh, and that's a million and a half bucks. And we started at seventy-two thousand last year. We're hoping to get to a quarter million this year, and then and then grow it from there. And who knows? Maybe you'll see us, or we'll see you at the Rogers Center. Yeah, uh, it's a great great growth. I mean, yeah. year over year from seventy-five to two fifty as a right. goal is awesome. Yeah. yeah. We had nine teams in our first year. We're hoping for 30 this year, and we had only one CrossFit gym involved with us last year, and now we have five between helping us co-found the event, uh, equipment donations, allowing us to use their gyms for complimentary sessions. So I think with this opportunity that we're so thankful for you to have us on this podcast, we'll have more and more gyms wanting to be involved in the future, and I think it can only grow from here. Right. Well, it's great to be doing something like this for a cause and to see it kind of proliferating across into an area that's typically not, or at least in my opinion, which was an ignorant one at the time, that it wasn't so CrossFit focused. But to see all the, I've seen people posting videos and photos of themselves training at some of these gyms, getting right. ready for uh, for the games, and it's really great to see. Yeah, it's really, uh, you know, captured their attention. Yeah. Um, and there's no question in my mind, I mean, we talk about, health and mental health with kids clearly health and mental health with adults uh, and and bay street has got a high uh there's a high performance expectation um you really need to have kind of an ac mental acuity that's always there and and for sure in my experience anyway and my own personal experience in terms of how i deal with stress and tension you know 
having that physical outlet is important and and crossfit uh, and its availability in the downtown core should be a huge part of you know Bay Street's regiment in, in terms of when you're not in the office. This is an opportunity in in some fairly hit uh, experiences right. to to kind of release some of that uh, steam, some, get some of that positive energy coming at you, and um, you know position you for that next day. About fitness, have you guys noticed any um, like, or what do you what have you noticed as the personal benefits of having a fit life and being involved in fitness, how it's carried over to your career or personal, um, exactly to your point about mental health for kids and adults. I think it's very key. Um, and I noticed from a lot of people that I talk to, they get into it for either they're supposed to or they pick up a new sport and they're almost blindsided by the fact that their career is going better or their personal life seems to be going better and they didn't expect it at all. all right. um, do you guys have any kind of personal anecdotes around that? Right. Um, I, I, I certainly... Again, going back to the Bay Street group that we focus on, I mean, in large part, I'd say they're uh, sedentary. Uh, you know, the ability to do your job is, you know, it's at a desk. Uh, everybody thinks they're working out because they bring a, a ball to sit on. That's <laughs> core, core exercise. Exactly. Better, better than the chair, but not quite good enough. Um, and, and so... You know, it's certainly uh, an area of concern when, you know, you've got that, you've got added stress, you probably don't eat as well, you eat out a lot, um, you're traveling a lot, uh, you're again eating out a lot, you know, your sleep patterns are, are not uh, as good as they should be. So there's a whole bunch of, I think, stressors in a Bay Street environment that I think physical fitness can play a huge role in, um, and I've—I guess I've lived that uh, probably post uh, turning 40. Uh, my waist got to 40, and and if you uh, if you look at all the the research, and we we actually pride ourselves at C4K Capitalize for Kids at really focusing on research and and uh, using that proof. Um, it says when men get to waist size of 40, you have a higher incidence of a whole bunch of bad things, not the least which heart attacks and, and the like. So I embarked on, you know, starting it, you know, spinning and, and evolving it through to Ironman. Um, and so with endurance cycling, uh, running marathons and the like, it's now my, my focus is largely around Ironman competitions. Um, and for me, there's this huge value because I think sport, whether it's Ironman, whether it's CrossFit, whether it's, you know, team hockey, whatever, um, you know, the idea of resilience and perseverance, um, you know, goal setting uh, is critical. Again, you get into a CrossFit environment and you say, hey, I want to be competitive. Well, what does competitive mean? Competitive means perhaps against yourself. Mm -hmm. Which is I just I just want to set PBs in all these events, you know, be able to do 70 burpees in a minute, not not 60, which I got to last week, right. um, or I want to, you know, I want to be able to hoist 400 pounds in a bench press versus 350, or it's competitive against the next person, mm -hmm. um, and and I don't actually think it matters. Um, oftentimes the inner uh, focus is better. Um, and I've I've looked at from my career perspective for sure having an outlet where I've had to be goal centered. I I needed to be uh, planning uh, because you can't do 15 hours of 
training a week when you're doing 65 hours you know in the office and then you've got a family of three kids and a wife um, you have to make sure all those things are, are all pulling in the same direction that you've communicated effectively with uh, and sometimes I didn't um, um, and then you know within your own physical goals um, you got to take you know there's days when it feels like you're feeling like crap and you just can't get out at six o'clock in the morning um, but you got to haul your butt out there because if you don't do it at six you know you can't do it at eight because you know you planned this for work or you know you've got this event with your wife or your kids um, so you just get it done um, and I do think that reflects into how you run a business um, how you're performing day to day it, it's got a you know, wash over into that in a very positive way, um, and vice versa. I think, uh, to the extent you, you know, you're having good experience at work and in implementing these things, you know, showing resilience in your work environment, being you know a good planner, setting out goals and objectives. Those things should also uh, bridge into kind of whether you, whether it's CrossFit, whether it's as I said Ironman, whether it's doing a marathon, whatever the the pick your poison is for uh, uh, getting active. It seems like it carries over through those those habits carry over and they just become kind of like your default operating system in, in some way. And you're, that's the right word. You need to establish habits. I mean, I, I, as far as I can tell, um, and I can't remember, there's some saying as to what, you know, how many times actually creates a habit, um, but you really do need to create good habits and help you overcome bad habits uh, and we all have those uh, yeah. I still love potato chips <laughs> um, he does, I can cook. <laughs> and my wife's chocolate chip cookies um, but you know the, I, I like to think of that stuff as everything in moderation is still okay um, but it, if you can create those great habits they'll just carry with you and, and they'll they'll show up whether it's in your relationships and your business experience and your you know, your giving experience um, or in your sport. I, I think they're, uh, they, they come to be seen in everything you do. That's great. Diane, how about yourself? What have you noticed with fitness and personal? Yeah, I've been um, big in team sports my entire life. Um, I've played pretty much everything you can think of. I think in my graduating year of high school, I probably did everything you could submit yourself for in track and field. The, one, two, four, 1,500, 3,000 long jump, triple jump. I think we just didn't have enough people participating. My <laughs> track coach just wanted me to get to the next level, and I could by default. But I've uh, soccer's probably been my main sport my entire life. And um, even talking about how we're saying how important physical health is for children, I think I was building skills without knowing them or even understanding, and it wasn't something I noticed until later in life just even confidence and self-esteem and team building and all of the camps that my dad stuck me into. I hated him when he dropped me off, but by the end of the week when he picked me up, I was the happiest kid on the planet because I made all of these friends and I was developing social skills. And those are really important things that I think we take for granted even with um, children with cognitive disabilities. Oftentimes they're, they're not put in situations where they can understand their, their best abilities and uh, organizations like Special Olympics Canada allows 
children with cognitive disabilities and those types of mental health issues to allow them to understand their purpose. So I've been really fortunate to have been able to experience team sports my entire life. And um, last year, actually, I, I suffered a concussion and I was unable to play in any sort of sport for quite a long period of time. And I don't think that I realized, as I said, how much I relied on that outlet I was playing soccer multiple times a week. If someone, I was playing softball in the summer, I'd go play volleyball, beach volleyball down by the, the docks there if someone needed a sub. But once I lost that, that piece of sort of purpose, I noticed myself getting more anxious and even depressive thoughts because it was something that was so much a part of me that I didn't realize it until I had lost it. And it's so important to have those types of outlets. As Quentin said, if it's if running or if it's cycling, whatever it may be, it might be something individually, but it might be something as a team. And I sort of craved that team environment of going to see those types of people that I wouldn't always see. I, you have your sort of your work groups and you have your soccer gr like group and you have little bits of people that you see in different situations. And I, I craved that so badly that once I was able to, running was my first my first love before I was playing sports and just running down by the water was my one way that I could get back into it before I was allowed to play around something that could hit me in the head again. <laughs> but just allowing myself to, to have that opportunity with team sports I think built me into having leadership qualities. And I've had this conversation with someone before, I don't think that you can really teach leadership. There's all these courses that how to be a better leader, but I think those are skills that you're sort of developing, and I think that sports has a huge hand in leadership skills, because if you can't work as a team, then you basically are falling apart. If there's one bad seed in your group, and someone's running the opposite way in the field, they're going to screw everything up. So I've, I've been really fortunate to have experienced a bunch of different varieties of sports that I think that have made me better as a woman in my career, individually by myself, and sort of every aspect of my life. Um, I, I think too the the you know if, if you think about kids' mental health and some of the agencies that we work with, um, and these are you know East York East Metro Youth Services, Youthdale Youth Link, A's Link Discoveries, Etobicoke Children, George Hall, Yorktown Family Services, and, and probably your listeners, uh, if they're throughout Toronto, they would they might have touched any one of those agencies over the course of their time. What their counselors are trying to do is really, um, it, it's much like you know, as a as an individual who uh, can teach. Crossfitters, I mean, you're trying to bring people along to the point where they believe in themselves to be able to get to that next thing. And whatever that next hurdle is, it might be, you know, that bar on the floor keeps looking at me and saying, no, you can't lift this. And you're trying to encourage them to get over that hump. And the same thing's occurring in the kids' mental health space where, you know, a kid just says, I can't make it to school because I, I've got so much anxiety as soon as I get in that front door that I can't deliver. Um, and, and the counselors are there to help them bridge and get over and get the confidence that in fact they're gonna be able to deliver. Um, similar to way, you know, great CrossFit uh, coaches can do do that with uh, their clients. Um, and the, this client is the same thing. And, and our focus is to try and get more of those clients in front of those great counselors. 
Um, and if we do that really, really well, maybe we'll turn our attention to getting more clients in front of you guys on the CrossFit side so you can uh, help others get fitter uh, and uh, embrace the CrossFit way. That's great seeing um, the the goal of your, your, I guess, of your organization being to help these already existing ones and help them expand their capacity and help them in a way that, exactly to your point earlier about um, if they might be lacking business skills, help them in a way that they're not able to help themselves. Um, you know, within within the the groups and organizations that we touch on, I mean, I think they're all very skilled at at delivering capabilities. The fact of the matter is, though, the issues that are truly in front of them, and almost every day, it's it's kind of like the house is on fire. We we need to treat and deal with the kids that are in front of us. And to be able to take a longer term perspective on the, the changes that need to happen in order to facilitate kind of the capacity in three months, six months, 12, uh, more difficult for them to undertake. Uh, we can bring in that capacity to work right alongside them. And, and we don't create any solutions without management. In fact, it's a critical piece of our, our process is we co-create solutions. But by having, you know, Capitalize for Kids alongside, plus one of those partners like Bain or McKinsey or Deloitte or, or uh, RBC, um, we then further the capacity to be able to support that growth, then implement f with them, and then they can figure out how to carry it forward. And we will continue to engage them over the course of a couple of years to ensure that we course correct if things get off the rails a bit. But that really empowers them to take it on their own and, and deliver it. And we go through a change management process because none of this is easy. Um, getting people to do things differently, to get different outcomes is tough. Um, so we will engage through that change management process. But at the end, they come out pretty well positioned to be able to do this themselves. And then that growth and capacity brings more kids and families in to get the, uh, the treatment and the, the things that they need done and completed in a timely fashion. That's excellent. Is there, um, is there anything else that you guys would like to share about your organization that I might not have um, asked yet? I'll do a thing about the games in a second, but is there anything else that if someone doesn't know about you guys or what you'd like them to know? No, Capitalize for Kids is different from almost any other not-for-profit organization that I've come across. Um, and I've looked at a lot. I mean, the innovation of delivering our intellectual capability to help problem solve, and then at the, s at the same time or coincident with uh, or subsequent to you know, us finding solutions, being able to bring dollar capital is unique uh, and ensures that we get success from the money that we're investing and from the time that we're investing. And that's highly unusual. Most organizations, you know, if you're a foundation, um, you bring the money in and then you just deploy it. Um, it's just a, it's just sending the money and, and we'll take money, um, but then we're deploying it first to create that problem-solving capability through through our consulting practice. Um, and that's the first thing that you as a donor get to see, which is they're having an impact. And then we judiciously hand out the money if we need to alongside to support the solution. Um, 
and that that's something that you know uh, I think is uh, so differentiated um, to to make us a powerful player um, in support of kids mental health in in you know Ontario at present although uh, we'll probably you'll see us across Canada over the course of the near term um, and that that I think is going to be um, kind of a benchmark, frankly, on how you can create impact uh, in a way that goes well beyond just the dollars invested. Okay, um, Bay Street Games coming up June 4th. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, so uh, we have the Bay Street Games coming up uh, four weeks tomorrow, actually. So we have 30 teams competing against each other, teams of six. Each of them are I've promised to raise a minimum of uh, $6,000 collectively as a team, so we're hoping to have at least a quarter of a million come in through this. Um, we had nine teams last year. We've grown it significantly. We have um, media coverage through BNM Bloomberg, so we'll have cameras there. We can expect, I don't know if I'm allowed to give this secret away, but sparklers indoors, so sort of a, a big show. Uh, visually and um, it will be a great success fundraising wise as well so uh, we are hoping to secure uh, TSN MC we can't confirm who that is at this time but it will it's it's shaping up to be an excellent day uh, people are able to come in and watch if possible so um, if they want to come down to the Ryerson Madame Athletic Center it's starting at, at about 1 p.m. that day so everyone's more than welcome to join us awesome 1 p.m. till 5 5 yeah. yeah what team won last year out of curiosity BMO Capital Markets is indeed back uh, to defend their title they've got <laughs> uh, uh, lots of their bank brethren uh, going at them as well as other asset managers uh, the, the whole kit and caboodle. So it's a, it's a fairly all-encompassing Bay Street focus. Um, and, you know, f for the community, uh, we've greatly appreciated the support. Um, kind of as was suggested earlier by Diana, Diana we went from one to now five uh, CrossFit uh, organizations supporting us. Um, we want to build that out. We think we can make this bigger and better. Um, the community has embraced it. The Bay Street community has embraced it as a way to kind of get a little fitter, put a little focus on this, and raise some money for kids' mental health. Um, so we we think, uh, you know, this year it's 30 teams. That's up from nine last year. So if we can three-bag it again, you know, 90 teams uh, getting over 500 competitors, wouldn't that be something? That'd be um, great. And who knows, maybe next year we've actually contemplated, you know, assigning teams to, you know, two or three teams to a, to a CrossFit center. And the CrossFit centers are become competitive against each other. Can you train the fittest team on Bay Street? And, and we'll, you know, put some some uh, bragging rights into the CrossFit like center that, like uh, that. does, does a great the ante job. a little bit. Exactly. Exactly. Excellent. You have to confirm now, though, if you want to be in for next year. <laughs> yeah, right. Us. <laughs> awesome. Well, Quentin, thank you, Diana. Thank you so much. Greatly appreciate um, it. We will post some um, links and some videos about this stuff up for you guys soon. And um, that's it. We'll see you guys soon.